0: Welcome to According to the Scriptures. My name is Kyle Webb. I serve as the minister for the Mars Hill Church of Christ that meets in Christiana, Tennessee. I'm thankful that you have joined our program for today. Today we continue our study of evangelistic Paul. Before we get into our lesson, though, I will remind you, uh, if you've not done so already, to visit our website. Uh, There are many great resources that we have on our website. You can go to www.marshillcoc.org. Again, marshillcoc.org. Each of our programs is uh, posted on the website later. And so you can go back uh, hopefully tomorrow or the next day and and listen to the program that way Uh, anytime that you miss a program uh, you can certainly do that Uh, there is on the front page a quick links um, section so that you can quickly go to anything for this week you can look at our bulletin our sermon notes uh, video and audio are usually posted from our services Uh, and of course uh, this program as well as Noontime Nuggets, um, those are all linked on the website, and you can go there and listen or watch and uh, keep up with our congregation that way. There's also information about our elders and myself. Uh, There is uh, also a way that you can contact us through the website. Uh, Just go to the very bottom of the homepage, and there is a link to send us a message, uh, as well as other links throughout the website, uh, but you can send us a message, and we will receive that by email, and we can reply to you, but we would love to hear from you, and so I certainly invite you to provide any comments that you might have, uh, any suggestions, um, anything that, that you would like to tell us. We would love to hear from you, and so you can can send us a message that way. You can call us at the church building, and and, uh, any way you want to contact us, we invite you to do so. We would love to hear from you. Today's lesson is, uh, again, Evangelistic Paul. This is the third and hopefully final installment of this lesson. Uh, We have been going through underdogs of the Bible, and we've looked at several people. uh, But this is the third lesson on Paul. We began looking at his early life. We looked at his background and and where he came from. And we, we see him as an underdog basically because of that background. A background that led him to persecuting the church. And certainly we understand that that was a part of his past. And as you look at Acts chapter 7 and 8, Uh, particularly toward the end of chapter 7, we find that he was present at Stephen's stoning. Whenever Stephen proclaimed the message of the gospel and he was rejected, they stoned him. And there in the midst of all of these, holding the cloaks or or the the clothes of, of the individuals that were stoning him, was Saul, who we later know to be Paul. And we are also told in Acts chapter 8 and verse 1 that Saul was consenting to Stephen's death. This is something that plagued him to some degree for the rest of his life. He regretted the the decisions that he had made in his younger life. And it was something that bothered him. Uh, He considered himself the one of the least of the apostles, uh, the chief, chiefest of sinners because of his background, because of where he had come from. And maybe in a sense, too, we might see him as one of the least of the apostles, one, uh, maybe the chiefest of sinners because He persecuted the church. He persecuted the way, Christ. And yet, we find him to be one of the greatest individuals in the Bible, one of the greatest heroes. And that's what we're going to study today. Before we get into our lesson, let's bow in a word of prayer. Our holy and righteous Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the many blessings that you have given to us. We thank you for this day. We thank you for the ability that we have to be able to study your word together. And we pray, Father, that you would be with us, that you would care for us, that you would uh, help us in our lives, help us to be better Christians, help us to be stronger with each day, help us to be strong examples for those around us, help us to lead the lost to you. We pray, Father, that you would strengthen us in our knowledge And help us to to grow and to be able to, to share the message of the gospel with the world. Help us to have confidence in the message and confidence in you. We thank you for your son. We thank you for his sacrifice for our sins, for all that he means to us. And we pray that you would forgive us. It is through Jesus that we humbly pray. Amen. I want to begin our lesson for today, even though it's not going to be uh, the the subject of our discussion, Uh, I want to go back to Saul's conversion. We see his conversion in Acts chapter 9. He retells these events in chapters 22 and 26, and there are some details here that we learn about his conversion, the experience that he had. We know that there were certain men that were with him and there was a a light, a light that was seen by all. There's a voice that was heard by all, but not understood. And uh, as we look at this again, we piece these things together by each chapter. So there are certain details in Paul's retelling of these events that that help us to understand exactly the events that were happening. And so as we look at Acts chapter 9, we're not given all of those details here, but we are given some in chapters 22 and 26. And from what we gather again, that all saw the light, that They heard the voice, but only Paul, only Saul, as he is known here, is able to understand what is being said to him. He hears the voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he replies, who are you, Lord? the reply that he receives in verse 5 of Acts chapter 9 is, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads or against the pricks. It's hard for you to fight a losing battle. He answers in the form of a question, Lord, what do you want me to? to do. Notice that Jesus speaking here in whatever form it may have been in Jesus speaking here does not tell him to arise and to be baptized for the remission of his sins. Ananias is sent later with that message and that's something that's going to be very important to our lesson today. But he is told instead to arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Saul is left three days without sight in which he neither eats nor drinks. He is in a period of fasting. And as he is in this period of fasting and in prayer, Ananias is sent to Saul. Ananias is hesitant to go because he knows the reputation that Saul has. He knows that he is a persecutor of the church and Ananias is hesitant for that reason to go to him. But he is told in verse 15, of Acts chapter 9, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Ananias goes to him, and he tells him what he needs to do. And it says in verse 18 of Acts chapter 9 that immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he received his sight at once and he arose and was baptized. As we look at these things, we recognize that Saul was not saved until he was obedient. It wasn't until he was baptized for the remission of his sins, as Ananias had told him to do, that he was saved. And so uh, we, we recognize in chapter 22, verses 15 and 16, what Ananias does say. For you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Saul was not saved when Jesus spoke to him. He was not saved even in this three days of fasting and prayer. He was not saved until he was fully obedient to the gospel plan of salvation. And it is the same with us that we are not saved until we are fully obedient of the gospel plan of salvation. And that's important also for for our understanding of Saul and his conversion. He wasn't converted, not fully converted, until he was obedient, until he was baptized. But once he was baptized, once he had obeyed the gospel, we find that immediately, without hesitation, he preached the Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. What would give this man such confidence that he would be able to go about teaching and preaching immediately after he is baptized? Most preachers today do not begin going right out and, and teaching and preaching Christ. It's something that we grow into. We may tell others what, what we have done, what has happened to us that we are able to be saved, but it takes a great deal of, of learning and experience for us to have confidence enough to be able to stand in the pulpit the way that we do. Saul didn't have that lack of confidence. He was very confident in Christ. He was very confident in the message. And it's a good example for us that we also can be confident in the message of the gospel and in what has saved us, what we know has saved us, our faith leading to our obedience, our confession of that faith our repentance and our baptism for the remission of sins. All of this is very very important to us. Saul is a new person. And in Acts chapter 13 in verse 9 we read accordingly that his name is changed. He is given a new name, a name in which we know him very well. The name of Paul. Paul was a great individual, a great evangelist, a great encourager. The name Paul means small, little, or humble. And that's also going to be important to our lesson today. As we look at Paul now, we we are turning our attention away from his early life. We are turning our attention away from his background. And we are turning our attention away from the man that we have formerly known as Saul. Now he is Paul. And Paul goes on to do many great things in the Lord's service. Today I want us to look at at three main points that, that really tell us of who he is, and what he did, and what made him a hero of the Bible. Some things that we have briefly mentioned thus far, but today we're going to to expound upon those, to to build upon those, to add uh, meat to the bones, if you will, and really understand what makes Paul a hero. An unlikely hero, because of of his past but a hero nonetheless First of all I want us to recognize his humility Paul's humility We see him as a humble individual in the way that he addresses many of his letters and particularly the way he addresses the books of Romans Philippians and Titus. I want us to look at the first verses of the first chapters of each of these books and really understand Paul as a humble individual. Notice how he addresses Romans. Romans 1 and verse 1. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, Separated to the gospel of God, this is how he addresses the book of Romans. In Philippians, his letter to the Philippians. Philippians 1 and verse 1, Paul and Timothy bond servants of Jesus Christ. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons. And in Titus, Titus 1 and verse 1, Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth, which accords with godliness. And of course, he continues from there. But I want you to notice that Paul had every reason to be high minded. He was an apostle, maybe an apostle out of due time, so to speak, but an apostle. He was chosen in a different way, but he was chosen as an apostle. But he did not let that thought cross his mind to the point that he was high-minded About his position. Yes. He was an apostle. But I want you to notice. His humility. In each of those three. Letters. In the way that he begins those letters. A common word. That is found is. Bond servant. A servant of. Jesus. Christ. A servant, defined by J.H. Thayer in his Greek-English lexicon of the New Testament. This is the way that he defines servant. A slave, a bondman, man of servile condition. One who gives himself up wholly to another's will. And particularly, I want you to focus on that that last uh, description. One who gives himself up wholly to another's will. Paul had done just that. And he shows himself to be a servant. More so than anything else, he shows himself to be a servant. Let's look at Philippians chapter 3 and beginning with verse 7. Philippians chapter 3 and verses 7 through 11. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness, which is from God by faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. I want you to notice what he says in, in the beginning of what we read, Philippians 3 and verse 7. What things were gained to me. In the world, there are certain things that are counted as gain. Gain such as wealth. Gain such as a high rank or position. Gain in power and authority. These things are the things that the world looks for. And the world sees as something to be treasured. But Paul didn't seek those things maybe he maybe he did in his past and maybe he did count them as something of greatness but he says what things were gained to me these i have counted loss for Christ The wealth, the power, the authority, all those things that the world sees as great. Paul counted them as loss for Christ. They were no longer important. And he goes on to say in verse 8, I also count all all things for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom? I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. He, he speaks of righteousness. One of the, the great things that I remember about righteousness, we studied this uh, a year and a half or so ago. And whenever we talked about righteousness, one of the things that I learned Is that the righteousness with which we are clothed. It's not ours. There is nothing about me that is righteous in and of myself. But it is the righteousness of Christ. The righteousness of God. That is the righteousness in which I am clothed. Because I am covered by the blood of Christ. And So it is his righteousness that covers me and that's exactly what paul is saying in philippians 3 verses 7 through 11 but quickly i want us to to finish up this lesson here Uh, another point that we notice is his preaching his preaching is another great lesson that we learn from and it shows him to be a hero of the bible In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 16 through 18, he says, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. For necessity is laid upon me, yes, woe is me, if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have been entrusted with a stewardship. What is my reward then that when I preach the gospel, I may present the gospel of Christ without charge, that I may not abuse my authority in the gospel. In just a couple of verses previous to this, Paul gives concession and reason that that preachers are able to be paid based on what they are doing, preaching the gospel. But he himself made a choice that he was not going to charge anyone, that he was not going to uh, be supported by the church. We read that he was a tent maker and he used that profession to fund his preaching of the gospel. But he did preach the gospel. And he gives uh he, he says it here. That, that he had nothing to boast of in and of himself, there are many things that preachers may boast of. They may boast of numbers, they may boast of ability, but he had nothing in himself to boast of. And, and people put a lot of stock in the preacher's ability. But it's not about the preacher. Any preacher that is bringing glory to himself is not preaching the gospel the way that he should. If that is his intent, he is not preaching the gospel the way that he should. There's nothing within me to boast of. It's the message of the gospel. That's what I want to bring glory to. That's what I want to bring interest in. I want to bring people's attention to the gospel message and to Christ. In this, Paul was a chosen vessel. Remember in Acts chapter 9 and verse 15, Ananias is told, Go for he is a chosen vessel. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7, Paul himself says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Treasure being the gospel. It is given to and proclaimed by men, not by angels, not by Christ, or even the Holy Spirit. Earthen vessels, earthen pertaining to earth, physical in nature. Vessels, containers, uh, something that that contains something. Inspired men carried the gospel to mankind. We have it in the form of the scriptures and the Bible. Today, we have in our possession the things spoken and taught by the inspiration of God. And we have become the earthen vessels in which the word is contained and by which the word is proclaimed. Paul did not count this of anything great in and of, in and of himself. But it was something great in the message something great in the power of the blood of Christ to save men. Paul was an encourager, an ambassador, a preacher, a servant to Christ and to all. And only as a servant did he glory in what he did. He's very humble. And we learned a great many lessons from Paul. I am thankful that we have been able to to spend the last few weeks studying his life. And I'm thankful that you have joined us. I invite you to be with us next week. I have not decided what we are going to to be studying beginning next week. But we'll study something. And I look forward to that time together next week, Tuesday at 11 a.m. And every Tuesday at 11 a.m. I invite you to be with us. Thank you for being with me today. And until we meet again, may God continue to bless you.